0: Welcome to the Tea with Bree. I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio and intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I enjoyed my guest, Satvik Alawalia, a digital strategist for Progress Texas. His job is to keep pace with the rapidly changing work of digital marketing. In doing so, he ensures that Progress Texas is able to use cutting-edge tools and strategy to spread progressive values and actions across Texas. He creates compelling digital campaigns to expand the progressive movement online and tell Progress Texas' story. Crunching the data to help the team understand what their movement is looking for online. Ensuring that Progress Texas's web platform has all the valuable information progressives need to make informed decisions. Sophic moved from Philadelphia. He has won a Platinum Markham Award, been profiled in the Boston Globe, and competed in multiple Bollywood dance championships. Hello, friend. Hey. <laughs> How are you?
1: You know, seeing you smile makes the day good. <laughs>
0: i am so excited that we are sitting down today i it's been weird like not seeing you every day because we work in the same (laughs) complex although we're moving okay apparently when we go back to work it's a whole thing we'll get into that a different day but yeah and then we didn't see each other like technically for nlc this month so here we are uh and i met last year which i feel like i've known you for so much longer but we met during like the first debate party that progress texas had um because tara who i went through nlc with last year and is our curriculum chair this year works with you um so she introduced us and here we are and it's been such a joy like you being in nlc has just been like seeing you once a month there (laughs) and then also at work every day it's just amazing such a joy and i want you to know that like I'm in a group chat with Megan and Kelsey, and we talk about you a lot, like you're one of our faves. (laughs) (laughs) So when you recorded with Kelsey, she messaged us, like, I just sat down with topic, and like, he's my guest next. So like, we're all just like, super jazzed about you. So just, just know you're a fan favorite amongst a lot of people.
1: Well, the feelings definitely mutual. Um, When I talk about like, when my friends ask me about the move to Austin, uh, they always ask like, when did you feel like you could... Be there and like you had like a community. And to be very honest, it was that same debate watch party where you like gave me a hug and, and I think Alicia introduced me to you and she was like, "This is Brie, you're gonna be best friends." And then like <laughs> you you were, I think you said something like, "Oh, we're definitely gonna hang out." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, everyone says that thing," but then we actually did, and I was like, "Oh, this is like a real person," and I'm like super excited to get to know her better.
0: Yeah, I'm. Actually, I'm. Go ahead.
1: I I believe in manifesting like the future. And when you told me about this podcast, I was like, yo, I'm going to be on that podcast. <laughs> and now we've manifested that together. There you
0: go. Yeah. And I, I'm a big believer in that, like, same thing. Like, everyone's always like, we're going to get together. We're going to get together. But Then there's like no follow up. And I'm very big on like making things happen and like keeping right. my word. And like, if I'm like, we're going to hang out or we're going to do this, think we'll do it. Like at a call today that I slept through only because I couldn't <laughs> sleep last night. Anyway, but I was messaging the girl and I was like, I am so sorry. This is really unlike me is there any way we can reschedule what have you just because like i'm really big on being intentional when making human connection and so like meeting you i was like no we are going to be friends like yeah. i'm going to make this happen and it's been it's been so beautiful and then like also figuring out like how much we have in common like being from the east coast moving to texas um having lost a parent like i feel yeah. like that's a a club not a lot of people are able or want to be a part of and just like having conversation around that and just How it's really shaped our lives like I was a couple of my friends just stopped by we did social distancing uh brunch (laughs) which meant we just sat on my patio and drank rose but anyway um but we were talking about because we each have lost a significant like adult in our life like one of my friends lost his dad when he was three I lost my mom when I was 15 and then our other friend lost his uncle when he was 19 and so we're just having that conversation of like until you lose like a really like matriarchal or patriarchal person in your life like you don't know like what level of connection you're going to make with people after like it really shapes who you become as a person so you picking this topic of like grief and how to you know navigate that and how it helps with like or how it shapes you as a person I was so excited to talk to you about that especially yeah. with what's going on right now and COVID-19 and you know this sort of like Universal grief for all feeling of like we've all lost something. Um, if it's normalcy, if it's a job, if it's you know, God forbid, a, a person we lose to to COVID. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what I find, what, what's very cool is like no one these are topics people don't want to talk about Mm-mm. because it's like okay, you start at point A in your grieving process and then you're done, and we have to all do it the same way. So let's bottle it up and like just deal with it, um, and it has to be sad and angry but it doesn't have to be that way. And uh, I think it's cool to be able to talk about like other ways to cope with these really traumatic events.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think back to maybe probably like six years ago now, um, I had a friend who we just recently started connecting again because this comment he made, like really, I couldn't move past it for a while, but we were like a bunch of us were out at dinner and we were talking about like, grief and loss. And so he had lost a brother, I had lost my mother, and another friend of ours had lost their, her father. And so we we're talking about grief, and how it like really shapes us and like how differently our lives would look if we didn't lose those really important people in our life. And I said, you know, losing my mom really set the tone for like a lot of the ways I look at relationships now. And I'm really like, you and I talked about like, I'm really intentional on making those connections. And a friend, of the girl I was with, she said, yeah, like losing my dad really put into perspective like how important it is when you want to have people in your life and like how much people who have suffered a loss are really good at forgiveness of others. Um, And this guy who we were friends with was like, yeah, like grief and losing someone really shapes your life. But he goes, would you go back and bring back your parent? Mm
1: -hmm. And we're
0: both like, yeah, like while yes, it really shaped us in the people we are, like to be able to have your parent back is like that, I would, we would all give anything for that. Um, and he was like, I don't think you would. And so like it was a whole conversation of like, how are you going to tell me how I feel about like, even hypothetically, just being able to bring back my mother and like, ask her questions, get to know her more, like, especially like losing her at 15. Like, there's just so many things I have yeah. questions on now. Um, but like, I just could not get like, I could not forgive him in saying that of like, you do not no like yes you have you have had grief but your grief is different and like the relationship I had with my mom while I was really young when she passed like I I only had 15 years with her like I would have loved to have more time so like for him to say that and just try to tell me how I would feel about being able to bring her back it was just like this whole it just made me so angry and so like recently I've only like been talking to him again but yeah, it was, it was like a good, it's like now it's been six years since he said that. And like, I'm just now to a place where like I've forgiven him for that comment, which was like, I guess like very flippant for him to make, but like really sat with me hard.
1: Totally. I mean, ultimately, everything, the way that we deal with anything, is based on like a set of tools that we have for coping with stuff. And you can't just assume that people have the same tools as you. You know, we go through life collecting different tools. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. And you know, he might have a tool that allows him to see why his significant person having passed was, like, good. Uh, and not to me really, like, their death was good, but, like, what the they context learned. around it. Yeah. Um, and maybe that, you know, we don't have that tool. Or maybe you don't need that tool, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think of the podcast I just sent you, which was yeah. Brene Brown's podcast, which anyone who studies social work or vulnerability or anything or just loves Brene Brown, like, she is... I was a social work major, so Brene Brown is, like, chef's kiss for me. Like, yeah. I love it. And I'm also really big about being vulnerable. Like, I just feel like I've i i feel like I've gone through some of the worst things in my life already. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I come, that's, like, my place of privilege in life now. It's just like, <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? Like, I don't really have, like, any stress around, like, that sort of stuff. Um, but it was episode six. No. Episode five of her show, her podcast Unlock- Unlocking Us, and she sits down with this gentleman named David <laughs> and they talk about grief and he actually co-wrote a book, um, The Five Stages of, of Death and Grief and all that sort of stuff and how he came out with a new book, well, added another step of acceptance and um, like the meaning behind it. And they talk about meaning as like, it's not something you can find right away, right? Like I think now with like having... My mom has now been gone the same amount of time that she was my mother. And so like 15 years and that whole conversation around finding the meaning in her death. And it was saying like the meaning lies with us. Like there's like no way to, sh- to really talk about like the death isn't the thing we find meaning in is the thing after us of so, like how it shaped us and like all right. that sort of stuff. And so I think about that often now, like being very vulnerable and being open and honest about things that I've gone through. And I think that's, I don't think I would be this vulnerable and honest in my life if I hadn't lost my mom at 15 and then like stopping my dad and I didn't talk from the time I was 18 to the time I was 25 or 26. Mm -hmm. Um, So I more or less had lost both of my parents within like three years of each other. Um, My dad is very much alive and well, but we didn't talk for a long time. So like I think about how like losing two very important people, back-to-back back in that way, how that really shaped me, and so now I can look back and find the meaning of, like, losing her, my mom, helped me to become a more vulnerable, open, honest person who just is really grateful for things, like, yes, things in life aren't perfect, um, but for me, it's it's been a blessing to be able to look at the people and situations in my life and come from a place of privilege of, like, now, being thirty years old of like talking to younger kids of like you don't have to stay in situations just because you think that's what the people want you to do. like right. mentoring a lot of younger people who are like just now getting into their career and telling like your boss should not talk to you that way. You should not be afraid to ask for what you need at work or you know just sort of those sort of things. So I guess I'm asking like what's some of the the meaning or things you've learned from losing your your mother?
1: So my mom uh, in 2012, she was diagnosed with cancer. And so she basically had this very long, drawn-out battle with this thing. Mm. Um, They gave her, if I remember correctly, three years, but she made it to October of 2019. Mm. And uh, it was like, you know, part of this was like, as I was building my life and like who I was as an adult and what.
0: She just passed.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I did not realize it was that recent.
1: Yeah, she passed uh, October 21st.
0: Okay. Not to interrupt, continue. We'll, no, it's we'll, okay. cir- we'll circle back.
1: Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, I became, like, her person. Um, like, there are certain choices she made with how she wanted to fight it that, like, my dad didn't find sense. And so he was very much there, like, financially and, uh, you know, like, all the, the things that let life run, but not necessarily, like, that allow you to live uh, and thrive. And so I kind of took up that person for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I saw from her experience is like, she took a lot of time to like advocate for herself, first of all. Um, but more important, like she'd really built a strong community um, over the course of the, those years. And in the, you know, I went home on, I think October 18th maybe. And that's, and like, we came home, me, my dad, uh, one of our aunts, we did this thing called Chop, which is typically, when um, the wife fasts all day so that the husband will live a long time. But like, we don't do that in our house because my mom was like, that's dumb. My dad's like, that's dumb too. Um, So we're just gonna like either both fast or neither of us fast. We did that and then she went to bed and the next morning she was uh, uh, in hospice care, basically. Like she was unconscious. But through that whole time, every single day people were like showing up and like, even if we didn't want to like deal with them, like they were just sitting in the living room um, they would, like, you know, stand at a bar and, like, take a look, then go back. They were, like, we even had one aunt who came. And she basically said, Satek, you, Mohinder, and Tara, that's my dad and my sister, you guys don't worry about a thing. And she stayed for a whole week, did all the cooking, all the cleaning, like, basically, like, she played host to all the people who were visiting so that we could focus. And uh, my sister said that, like, at one point during this period, she was like, mom, this is the weakest I've ever seen mom. And for me, I was like, no, you're wrong. This has hurt her strongest because when she can't offer you anything, she can't talk to you, she can't give you anything, and yet all these folks, hundreds of folks, are coming to like bring her food and like like speak her praise and all this thing. Like that's real strength. Um, that when you can't offer someone anything, like they still want to be there for you. And so when she passed, I think in a lot of ways, like she raised me to be like the man that she thinks every man should be. Um, and like, she, like, I remember one of the last, like on her, on my sister's last birthday, she like gathered us all and she started to cry. And I was like, mom, why are you crying? And she was like, you know, I'm just so proud of all three of you, like Shatvik, Dara and Nandita, my wife, like you're all becoming people who are going to change the world, whether you're an activist or a doctor or a lawyer. And so what she wants from, from me is to like change the world. And she doesn't imagine that I'm going to like become president or like, you know, leader of the entire world, but like in your own little ways, how do you build community? How do you change it? Um, and that was like what I took from her is that like, whatever the pain you can experience it's like, that's what it is. But how do you respond to that situation you're in? What do you build from that place? Uh, and I've been using a lot of her lessons, like now here during this pandemic, because like her, her favorite book was uh man's search for meaning. And the biggest takeaway for me from that book is you have these people who are whose entire families might've been killed in these camps and yet they have a choice to make are they going to suffer with dignity or are they going to despair? Um, And, you know, the author of the book, Viktor Frankl and many others, like they chose to suffer with dignity. uh, And that means so many different things. But for me, it means like, how do I, how are we being able to give back and choose to respond to this grief that we're uh, facing during this pandemic instead of like letting the pandemic control us. And these are all things that like really come from how my mom uh, viewed life, but really how she battled cancer, where she wasn't a cancer victim. She was a human being who had cancer and mm. the cancer didn't define her. It was just like a thing she, you know, she dealt with.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's so much I want to touch on there. That I yeah, I mean, trying not to cry on Zoom with you right now, but <laughs> I I mean, my mom uh she had cancer when I was in 4th grade, so I was 1998, 99, went into remission and then it came back my sophomore year in high school, so 2005. Wow. Um, and she got diagnosed in, like, September, October. Um, they didn't. They told her that she wouldn't make it past November, and then she ended up living until February 2016. So, like, hearing you say that, I was just, like, I just think of, like, the resilience of moms, of, like... And my, and my mom was really big about, like, me not visiting her. Like, she was, like, I want you to, like, have as normal of a childhood as you can. She's, like, and I also don't want you to remember me like this. So, like, it was... It was very interesting to like see that. Like I talked to her every day, but it was just it was just she wanted like even though she was sick, like still trying to protect me and put me in a bubble. So like Yeah. Yeah. And then also like thinking about like how people show up of like um the I will remember clear as day the the morning that my mom passed, uh, I had a phone in my room. <laughs> Fancy. Um Very fancy. It was to the, still the main line of the house, but I had my own cordless phone in my room. And I remember the, the call coming in at, like, 6 o'clock, like, really early. I, mean, I hear, remember hearing my dad get up and go to the hospital. And, like, I went to school. And unless you were, like, really good friends with me, you did not know my mom was sick. So it was, like, maybe, like, five or six close people and then, like, people I went to, like, elementary school with. Mm. Um... But we got off the bus and I'm walking home and I see like six cars in front of my house that day. And I turned to this girl, Kelly, who I've known since I was five. I was like, my mom died today. She's like, you don't know that. I was like, Kelly, my mom died. Like I just felt it. And I had felt it all day and like coming around the corner and seeing like all those cars at my house. Um, And then, you know, going in, seeing both my grandmothers, my godmother, my godfather, who's also like our pastor Mm -hmm. um, and just like coming from like i've said it before my i come from a really large family my mom's one of five my dad's one of three mm. i'm an i'm their only child and then my godparents who I was essentially like their fifth kid um my godmother is one of four my godfather is like one of six or seven so like i come from a very large family um lots of aunts lots of cousins lots of the whole spiel um and just seeing how people showed up yeah and not just family like friends like people my parents had known from work um my mom's funeral probably was like 100 to 200 people um and it was between you know people we had known forever colleagues my a lot of my friends and their families like people who I had never even met but just them knowing me and knowing my connection to my friends like sent food and all these different things and having friends who grew up catholic coming to my mom's funeral and being like why is no one crying and like because in black culture, it's like very much a celebration of life. Like we don't have very like sad long funerals. It's like celebration of life and you know being grateful for the time we had. And like I did not cry cry at my mom's funeral. I was fifteen when she passed. Um and my dad was crying. But I remember vividly like singing and dancing like this whole thing during her funeral. Um and then I went to school the next day. Like if you did not Again, if you didn't know me, you didn't know. Um, yeah. And like my dad was like, one day he's like, "You have to stay home." He's like, "You have to stop moving and just sit and be with the grief." Um, but for me, it wasn't. I wasn't sad because she died. It was sad because I would never have the chance to make new memories. But I was just so grateful with the time I had had with her. And like, yes, like now there are still times I get angry and annoyed that like she's not here, or like when I had friends in high school like i hate my mom and i was like you have your yeah like you have yeah. your mother like and i guess like it's you know perspective is 2020 but like that reminder for people like you have your mom like yes yeah, she's gonna drive you crazy yes you know she's trying to keep you from having fun or having more in high school and like have that you know the world is against us energy um but yeah like now just like thinking back on that of just trying to instill in them now then like I know she's working her last nerve, but she's here, she's <laughs> present, you she were able to ask her questions. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, I love what you have saying, like, how have we taken seeing our mothers be people who had cancer, but not cancered? like, it wasn't a, a victim of it, right? Like, right. my mom was, like, very lucid at, like, all during it, like, she had had, cervical cancer that turned into leukemia and then it spread to her uterus so, like it was very much like it It was it was not like and I didn't know this until, like a couple of years ago like my family did not let me know what kind of cancer she had because I don't think I think they were also like trying to have that bubble of safety around me mm. um but like going and talking to her and like seeing her and like her being like very happy when she did get to see me um so I yeah, think about that of just like how even like As parents who had children and older children too, just like taking that time to like say what they wanted to say, and like I think losing my mom has made me very big about like how saying how I feel to people in the moment, or like being really big about making human connection, and and then my friend who was just here, he was saying like him and his ex broke up, and he thinks it's because she's never suffered a loss. Cause he went through something really big last year, and like she's mm-hmm. never lost someone. And so I think about that too, of like how we are now, as a like a whole community in this world, like going through some sort of loss, right? Like the loss of normalcy is gone. Like we will look back and like think. And they said in the podcast of like, yeah, people shaking hands might not happen anymore, or like we're gonna be like you know there is going to be before COVID and after COVID now and just like how you think about your life like before my mom died and after my mom died like yeah so how how these things really shape us
1: absolutely Um.
0: wow yeah Yeah, and I I think with everything that's going on right now with COVID and how things are going to change I, I don't they said this in the podcast too, of like how a lot of people don't want to categorize that as grief or loss. And I feel like a lot of people aren't given permission to be sad about things if it's not a big thing, right? Like we try to downplay things we're going through. Like I've said it on a different podcast of like the stages of mourning when it comes to like losing a parent or a partner, like having a breakup versus like when you lose a friend and people aren't really like, they don't give you a lot of space like more in or friendship like no one died you weren't dating them like why are you sad and so i think about that right now it's like it's this like comparison grief of like you didn't lose your jobs like what are you sad about like you're also like but i lost like i don't get to do this now like i won't don't know and like i'll see my family again like there's different ways to all be going through something and like we don't have to compare grief to all feel grief Right, like right. that was like one of the biggest things that I really took away from that show this morning. And listening to it again,
1: it's like it's one of the things like that's easy to understand but hard to practice. So, like uh, in Viktor Frankl's book, he talks about how the human body is kind of like a vessel, um, and any vessel that where you put gas in, the gas will fill it up no matter how big it is. Um, it'll fill it up equally. And his point is that like you know your suffering, you, the act that brought you suffering might be you know, quote-unquote objectively greater than something else, yet all suffering is relative. And this is something I would have, like, scoffed at, but of course this guy lived in, a, in Auschwitz and all these things. It's like he has a, he has one kind of monopoly on what these situations can be like, and there's no way I can comprehend what it's like to live in a concentration camp, knowing my, you know, my wife or my parents or my kids are being gassed somewhere else. And yet he has the empathy to say, you know, stop it in a very different way, like your grief at like losing your mom or losing your job or breaking up with you, you know, whatever it's equally valid to what I experienced. And, you know, for someone like that to say that it's like, we had to understand, we had to get, we to like dig deep and understand that thing because we don't all live the same lives. And thus, like, we don't have all the same experiences and I can't necessarily expect someone to have the same tolerance for suffering as me because they might not have ever suffered. And, you know, we're both from the East coast. Um, I'm from like a, a rich people town. And like a lot of folks didn't deal with a lot of different things, which makes it hard to understand. But it's like, okay, you didn't deal with a lot of things, which is why things are tough. Um, And there was actually a, a data set put out recently that showed even though most of the like tangible harms from COVID impacted folks on the lower socioeconomic spectrum, the folks with the biggest emotional damage we're on the higher end of the social, uh, socioeconomic spectrum. Because if you're on the lower end, you're often always in, like, fight or flight, and you're always mm-hmm. struggling. So adding a little bit more struggle, like, in, a, in, in one sense, is not the same as, like, the dramatic changes that can happen for folks who are not used to any struggle. And I don't like that concept, but it also makes sense to me that, like, if you've had no problems, now you have a problem. It's, like, a butt's bigger problem than you've always had a problem. And there's, like, one more problem added on.
0: Right, it's like the the letting in of a liquid. Right, it's like if you or what am I the metaphor I'm trying to think of? It's like if over time, like you're letting in a little bit by a little bit. It's like when things start to fill up, it's not as big. Versus like if you just open Mm. the floodgates and it's like a dam. That's what I'm looking for. I was like the thing you let the thing in. Yeah, like a dam. Like if you have water slowly trickling in at all times, like it's like people who have all who are like never in a place of like being quote unquote okay like Mm -hmm. lower economic people um people experiencing homelessness like people who are just never like at the top level of things um they are really good at like acclimating and getting things done and like constantly moving forward but I get what you're saying the people who come from a place of privilege like if you have one thing like it throws off everything yeah also like what you just said about it's like grief is empathetic like I think it's, like, you have to know that everyone's going to grieve differently. You don't have to understand it, but you just have to be empathetic to it, right? Like, me losing – I lost my mother, but my grandmother lost a child, whereas my dad lost a wife, and my mom's sibling lost a sister, right? Like, we all lost this same person, but in very different ways. So the yeah. style of our grief was very different. And, like, I had only known her for 15 years, whereas my grandmother had known my mom her whole life. My mom was – I always get the math wrong. She was 40 when she died. She was born in 65. She died in 40. Yeah. Math. She was 40 when she died. Um, so my grandmother had known her for 40 years, the same with her siblings. And then my dad had been with my mom since they were 25, give or take. Um, so yeah, like it was just like this very big. It was very interesting to see how we all grieve. Like I was the one who picked up my my mom's coffin. I was the one who like picked the flower arrangements like because my dad had been with my mom for so long like he didn't know how to be without her. And so like for me, I think losing her taught me how to like taught me how to show up for people, right? Like I'm really good at like handling a crisis and like we were just talking about run of show. Like I'm very much like that person of like beginning to end, like seeing the whole picture what needs to happen um, and really good at like taking charge of things. And so I think of that too, like, learning how to be empathetic to other people's grief helped me to learn how to like show up and like actually got me into my career because I think now like I don't think I would have ever done social work nonprofit if I hadn't lost my mom like it was just like a thing like I felt like so many people showed up for me that I now wanted to show up for other people yeah and so like I'm, I'm interesting in seeing how like this next generation of people and kids who go through covid right now how that really like shapes everything and how it's going to make things different um especially since like right now we're seeing the effects of like people not being outside what it's having on the environment like there's different species of animals like showing back up in like harbors and you know there's this country i think in asia that they are like this one place is like now able to like see mountains again, which that's it's, it's yeah. because they're not driving, so like the smog and pollution has gone down, so like, they can actually see the stuff that's outside, and like seeing how like uh, emissions in Austin awesome have really gone down, and yeah, I, I'm. I'm sad that we are all going through this, but I also feel like the universe, like, listen, I need y'all to get it back together, and I don't know how to make y'all all sit home at one time. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> now they figured it out.
0: And now the universe like, I got it. We'll just yeah. do this. And I think that's also, like, my place of privilege right now. Like, I am able to still work from home. I am able to live in a very safe place. Um, all the people who are, like, really close to me are okay, um, so yeah. don't, like, really worry about things. But, you know, I'm just interested in seeing also – how it's going to affect politics because that is our, <laughs> both of our jobs, um, and seeing how I think this has really caused people, especially during presidential year, to look at how our lawmakers and people are in place and why we don't have universal health care. Mm-hmm. And or yeah. vote by mail. Uh, uh, do not do not even. I'm triggered. Do not even say vote by mail to me right now. It's a new initiative we're starting at work and it is driving me crazy. Excited oh, to yeah. be doing it, but it is just overwhelming right now. So yes. Um, But yeah, I think that is a good place to take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back still here with our dear friend Sotvik talking about grief and loss and how it's really shaped us. Uh, During the break, we were both talking about how like people coming in and like telling us different memories they have with our moms, um, how beautiful that is. And so I think about, I'm thinking about that too, of like with grief and mourning and meaning and acceptance and all the stages of grief that you go through. um, I think the biggest question i always get asked is like when do you get over grief and a friend of mine lost her dad last year unexpectedly and so this year she was preparing for like the one year anniversary which is like a bad name but there's no name for a death person Mm. um but she had asked me she's like how was your first year after your mom passed And i was like i don't remember like i was 16 when that had happened um but I tell her like now it still comes in waves. Like there are days like I still like it doesn't happen often. Like these are just like I cry about things. Um I think is like as I get older and like think about becoming a mom one day of like just so many things I want to ask her. Or like this year I needed like to know what time I was born and like my dad didn't know. I'm like, my mom would know this, like just getting so annoyed with things. Um but like talking to her through that of like there is no rules of grief and acceptance and meaning. Um, and then also like in that podcast, like people try to rush and find the meeting in, in grief or loss. Um, so her and I sat, cause she's like, should I take the day off? Should I not take the day off? And I was like, I can't. They're like, there's no rule book here. Like you might go and wake up that day and feel perfectly fine. And then at lunch, it might hit you, or you might feel fine that whole day and then it'll hit you like a week later. Like there's just I a mean, think grief for lack of better terms like ebbs and flows like there's no rules at all um and so yeah i think about that too like i've gotten to a place of acceptance um and you know i have found the meaning in in going through this um but yeah i I also think like it's really helped me in having conversations like as we get older like more and more people we know will start to, like, lose people. And then, like, also, like, with this awful pandemic we're going through, like, the unexpected and, like, quickness that it hits people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about that, too, of, like, what are some of the things, that like, you have learned or that has really shaped you since losing your mom?
1: So my mom... Um, to dive into her background just briefly, she ran a global nonprofit called Youth Entrepreneurship and Sustainability. Um, during that campaign that she ran, which was ten years, she went to over eighty-six countries. Um, you know, she was part of. Do, do you know what Davos is, mm-hmm. or like the World Economic? So she was like a guest speaker there and that kind of thing. So she was what I would call like a warrior. You know, like she saw this this problem of like youth in developing countries like being underemployed and like what that would do to them and she's like I'm gonna fix that problem and today uh, by like our last like count there's like over a million young people um, across the world who've like been impacted or been able to start businesses because of like the work she did so she has this like this like she has a a quote um, called uh, fools tread where fools go where angels fear fear to tread um, and she was like, I am a fool. I'm going like, to tackle the biggest things possible because like, no one can tell me I can't. So as, towards the end, maybe like a year before she passed, um, you know, she was in the state where her mind was still strong and like, her vision was still strong, but her body would not allow her to do things. And so she was basically always in bed. And I remember leaving um, Boston, or maybe I was in Phoenix, I remember leaving her once uh, and going back to Philadelphia where, I was, where my wife was doing med school. And we had our one year wedding anniversary and we were at this dinner eating like a really great Italian meal. And I started to cry and she's like, "What? what's wrong? And I was like, listen, I feel like a really terrible son. And she's like, why? You were like one of the best sons. And I was like, well, I want mom to like be able to pass on. Like, I don't want her to be like, knowing who she is. I don't want her to be caged in this. Like what I thought was a prison, you know, she's like this global globe-trotting warrior. And now she's stuck in a bed needing people to do everything for her. Um, so I think, Like when we talk about grief, it it can even happen before. Like I started grieving for my mom six months before she died. And then when she actually passed away, I haven't felt like actual, I didn't feel grief when that happened because Mm. um, my guru who we like, so I'm Hindu or ish and I have a guru who is like Hindu and we don't like, we don't like talk a lot, but whenever I need him, he miraculously is just there and does the exact right thing at the right time. So he came the day before she uh, you know, passed on and she's like, listen, guys, tonight or tomorrow morning, you have to go and tell her that you're ready for her to go because she's only here because she doesn't think you're ready. Mm. Um, so the next morning, you know, my, my, that night, my dad, my sister and my wife, we all talked and we're like, okay, we're going to do it. And the next morning, we like said those words to her um, and unbeknownst to us because none of us were, well, unbeknownst to me, my mom, my dad and my sister her breathing changed as soon as we said that. And she'd been unconscious for three days. Um, and my wife knew, and she was like, okay, this is like the breathing of like the final stages of life. So mm. she knew that it was like the next 24 hours was basically how what was left. Um, and so when she passed, it was like very peaceful. We were like giving her an oil massage and combing her hair and like singing a, a guide mantra for her. And so there wasn't that like, like I'd always imagined like yelling out in pain or like crying a lot. But instead, I just like felt like, like, like happiness for her, um, and that's kind of been the place that I've been at. At like that, there's a sense of like gratitude towards uh, the universe for like, uh, like freeing her once again, and like the way I picture her, she had this like little red Mini Cooper, um, and she actually took it on a road trip from Boston down through Arizona, up through Denver and Chicago, and back. I kind of picture her in this little Red and Mini Cooper with our dog, like flying around the universe, like just like helping people. Um, so that's really like, my primary thought. But like you said, like, you know, sometimes I'll hear a song and that song will like just break me into tears. And like, it actually happened towards the beginning of um, this pandemic, maybe on like day two or three of me staying from staying at home. And I heard the song and it's like sat in actually in the room that I'm in right now, I just sat here and like I played it on a repeat and, like, all these, like, tears flowed out. And it was after that happened that I was like, okay, I've got, like, I've, I've understood what's happening. Now, how am I going to respond to this thing in the most dignified way possible? And that wasn't because I am a good person. It's because she was kicking my ass. to be Like, Southwick, you are a privileged human being. You get to make a choice that most people cannot make. And the choice is important. So what choice are you going to make? Are you going to just, like, sit and watch Netflix all day? Which, if you are, by the way, who's listening, that's totally fine. Like, no judgment right? Like, if you need to grieve that way and, like, process, I'm happy for you. Um, but I didn't have to do that. And she was telling me, like, go and, like, help other people and figure out how to do that. Uh, and since, like, that happened, the rest of the pandemic, like, I, I am hearing the news. I try and block the news out because, like, my wife gets emails every day and her parents, read like, are addicted to the news. Um, so we, I get all that information. But I really want to focus on, like, what can I bring to other people? And I think this is, like, a really cool way to talk about it because. I got to spend, you know, four days with my mom while she was in hospice care, taking care for uh, completing our journey together. Um, next spent to a week afterwards just hanging out with my dad because now he's like alone in this big house. Um, and, the, and folks who are losing their people today, they don't get that. Like they, like their person is, like if, if you have a family member or a friend or like loved one who's dying, they're locked in a room, which well, you can't even go and like hug them. You can't stroke their hair. You can't hold their hand.
0: And then you can't go to the funerals, right? They're like... You can't go
1: to, like, all the things which make death barely bearable. Mm. They're being robbed of. And I just, I just, like, I want to, like, say that because I feel like, you know, when I'm on Facebook, it's all about Trump or Biden or Bernie or, like, the economy. And it's like, those are happening. But the real story is what's happening to individuals across the world who are, like, not getting to do the most sacred thing we get to do which is, like, help our loved ones pass on. And, like, like that's tragic. Yeah. And I can't, like, I know how I processed my grief. And I have no idea how they're going to do it. But, like, if, if you did lose someone and you are listening to this, like, I'm sending you lots of love and strength. And, like, you don't have to rush through this. Like, take your time and, like, really, like, like be kind to yourself. Yeah. Like, you don't just, like, get up and start doing if you don't want. Like, just hear yourself out. Yeah. Um, And give yourself that kindness because you've been robbed of so many other things that like you should at least give yourself that.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I suffered two big losses in 2014. Mm. Um, Two really close friends. um, One to an accidental overdose and one to suicide um, about four months apart five or four months ago, but, um, and just not equating the the two to what people are going through right now, but just, like, not having that process to mourn, right? Like, with my mom, I had, like, time to prepare, like you're saying, like, she'd been sick for a while, um, I got to tell her I love her, like, that whole long thing, but, like, my friend, Nick, who passed the overdose, um, I had i hadn't gone to the hospital since my mom passed in 20 20- 2006 and mm. then nick this was in 2014 um and i found out because a person messaged me he was like i'm so sorry about nick and i was like what are you talking about mm. like i had not heard anything um and so i called a friend of ours and he's like nick's in the hospital he's been in the hospital since friday this was sunday like and no one had told me we were really close um so I go to the hospital I I had not gone to the hospital in years it was on Easter Sunday 2014 um and like got I was luckily I was really close with his family that I was allowed up to say goodbye to him um which I'm so grateful to his family for because like they didn't have to do that of giving this person space to do so um so I think about that of just like being able to go up and say goodbye But with the other friend, it was, uh, sorry, Nick had been on, like, they had found him Friday, they had had him on life support, and they were going to take him off that night. Um, So I got to go up and say goodbye that way. Um, And then the other friend was living in a different state. So, like, I had heard from another friend that uh, he had taken his own life, and I wasn't able to attend the funeral. So, like, that also, and, like, he and I had been friends through college, and so, it was just a totally different way of like that movement of grief of just like we had talked that like a week before like everything was quote-unquote fine Mm. um and so like it's that thing too of like we try to rationalize our grief so quickly or like we also sometimes like try to make it about us like what could i have done better what what was did I do enough? Um, So I think of that too right now with everyone who's going through COVID and losing, you know, and grieving something, again, loss of a job, loss of a person, um, and not being given that space to grieve properly. And like you're saying, we want y'all to know that you have that space, right? You have every right to feel sad and cry and mourn and, you know, do other things you need to do, even if you can't physically go somewhere and do that or be with that person you are losing. And like seeing all these videos of like people having to say goodbye through like windows, I'm just like, mm. I have stopped listening to the news and watching all that stuff. And like my social media intake has definitely gone down, except for like watching food videos all day. Because so I'm like, I'm going right. to like do things while I'm home. Um, but yeah, just really, I just want everyone to know. And I said this on an a other episode of like, there are no rules. Like, you are able to do everything on your list do nothing on your list binge every show you want but watch nothing at all read a book like we are all in a space of something we're all experiencing something we've never had to experience before um and so yeah i feel like we just need to give a lot of a lot of uh empathy and sympathy and grace to a lot of people who don't feel like they can give it to themselves right now
1: a hundred percent
0: and i I think that might wrap this episode. Cool. I do have one more question. Sure. As you know, I end each show with the same question: <laughs> What is the best advice you were ever given, or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self?
1: Um, I would say, uh, slow the fuck down. I know that every magazine talks about that 20-year-old who's a billionaire or, like, whatever, and, like, that's really great for that person. But, like, you have 80, 90, 100 years to live your life, and if you burn out right now, you're not going to enjoy anything that you do. So, like, I, when I was younger, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, be a, you know, like a state representative by the time I was 24. And, like, I got really burnt out in the process of trying to get there. But let me tell you, at the age of 30, I think this was the best fucking decade. Um, I am like, I finally know who I am. I have an amazing partner. I have amazing friends like the woman who's interviewing me right now. Like, I can't, I would shake my younger self and say, like, relax. You're not falling behind. You're taking your time to get where you've got to go. And honestly, I had no idea where I wanted to go when I was 20. And you know what? I don't know where I want to go right now. (laughs) And that's okay. Like you don't have to know right now. Um, there's a great uh, piece of research about entrepreneurs and how the most successful ones are not in their twenties and thirties. They're in their forties, fifties and sixties. They understand the world, they understand how to build things, they have the connections to do so, the funding to do so, and their rate of success is much higher. You know, so like, you know, whatever you want to be or whatever you want to do, like don't rush through it. Don't let life push you along. Like, be purposeful and enjoy it because, like, you know, like we've talked about. Once it's over, like, you can't, you can't do it again. Uh, so take your time, love a lot of people. Just like slow down.
0: Thank you for coming today. This was great.
1: This is amazing.
0: I will be sure to link everything in the show notes, as well as Softfix Instagram, and that's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Bree. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Bree. Send me an email at the tea with at gmail.com and visit the website theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and then I will talk to y'all next week. Thanks.